exactly right by Julian's house. He just drives around it. They were giving out some like depredation permits to landowners also uh, that had marshes and stuff. They could shoot them and then they'd have to call and oh. have the DNR come out and confiscate the bird. But, you know, they made a big splash. Yeah, no doubt. I never, I never shot one, but uh, I'd be in the next blind over the guy that had the permit. And I mean, from three, four hundred yards away, you could see the splash. <laughs> 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 like that would be the ultimate long bird for your dog, eh? <laughs> yeah. You know, he'd think he'd the whole time be like, "I'm, I gotta be almost there. I gotta be almost there." But yeah. <laughs> did have you ever shot one, Sean? No, I have not. No, he said he didn't. I have uh, not. I had a chance a couple times. Like, you can get a permit out in North Dakota to do it, but, I mean, by and large, anybody, well, most of the people that I know that do it, just find them on a pond and then go jump shoot them. And, <laughs> and that just never really intrigued me. And more power to them, that's what they do. But, yeah. we I've applied, I've applied a couple times out east, uh, but not gotten. I'd like to shoot one decoy one time. That would be cool. Yeah, and it's <laughs> like, is it not like... Delaware, Maryland, that area? North Carolina, yeah, somewhere in that area, yeah. I like the pictures. I don't know, I'm not a big, like, I'm not a big, like, I I just like to, same with turkey hunting, I like turkey hunting, I I don't care about shooting a grand slam, none of that. More power to anybody that wants to do it, waterfowl hunting, same way. I'm not a, uh, you know, I'm not a, you know, the 41 or whatever they call it. Right. I, I'm mm. just doing a limit of wood ducks here as I am doing anything, you know? Yeah. It, it, I think at the end of the day, it's more about where you're doing it and who you're, who you're where and who with. probably, probably who as much as anything. Yeah. Yeah. At, yeah. This, at this point, we've talked about that on here. Fair amount. Have my boys yeah. about how it's, we go through seasons, literally and figuratively, and, and later on in your waterfowl hunting life, it's more about the time you get to spend with the people that yeah. you enjoy being around, right? As you get older. <laughs> yeah. That is I don't sure. know if they see it go through and whatnot, but, I, yeah. I Like, I still like to pile them up, don't get me wrong. Oh, me too, definitely. That's, that's not the most important thing of, of, of a hunt, and nor, and nor should it be, and that's, and, and, and if it's just a thrill of the pile, uh, you're probably not going to be in that sport that long because that just gets old. Um, you got to find something else to drive you in, in the desire, I guess. Yeah, and that's kind of what I meant by that is, is like we, you first start off, you crawl across the field of broken glass to shoot a goose. There you go. Yeah, it's kind of that big bull, little bull thing. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's walk down and shoot them all, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was told that story a little differently, but we can apply that. <laughs> yeah. To yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not yeah. The, must be a different version up here in the Maritime. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Well, we should officially start this, shouldn't we? Yeah. Welcome, boys. Hey, we have time on your hands up there, anyway. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Something. Welcome, men. Good to be here. It's been a while. Good to have you back. Yeah, making it through the winter. Good to be here. So what winter? We got yeah. Wesley Wait, here. We got Matthew, Ryan, and Stephen. And we got Sean. 
Swan stall. Sean the Swan stall on the phone. Swan. Swan stall. Swan stall. <laughs> yeah, swan. we just had a good talk about swatting swans. <laughs> What's going on anyway, Sean? What's going on down there today? Uh, what are you up trying to Trying to do these a little edit. What's that? What are you up to these days? Uh, these days, trying to get by to the next season, I guess, is about the way to look at it. Yep. And we got a, a all sense of that waterfall season's over here at home. I guess I could go chase some snow geese, but uh, I've really got fishing on my brain. I'm actually, I got MOTV on right here watching Mark Zona catch some smallmouth. So I'm kind of switching, my brain switching over to fishing and, and turkey hunting right now. Yeah, I see you got the boat all cleaned out and swapped over for fishing season. Yeah, I'm I'm ready. I actually took it down. Um, that boat, I, when I bought it, I bought it from Express, and you know it's twenty foot long, so I mean twenty seventy. And I, the intentions of waterfowl hunting, but also being able to fish out of it. And I built that great big cover blind, and I want to be able to take it off for fishing. Well. It's the one of the cool things I like about the boat is it's wide open. You can do any. It's like a blank canvas, and you can hunt seven guys out of that thing if you want, and haul twenty dozen duck floaters. But uh, part of the problem with fishing is you just don't have any storage. So I uh, I just ran it down last weekend down to uh, Tiny Boat Nation down there in Pekin, Illinois, outside of Peoria. They're going to put going to put some uh, storage in there, rod locker, a shoot. Uh, shooting us a uh, casting platform and uh, a little bench over where I sit so I can store like life preservers and stuff. So that stuff's just not all laying on the floor and whatnot. So yeah, I'm gearing up all sense of hope around here though. I mean, it's been so nice. Like it's, it's going to be like 70 here this weekend. Same here. And yeah, it's been real. I mean, go fishing and not do half of the honeydew things that I need to do, but, I don't know. Hockey's still going on. That's going to get me by. There's uh, I've got an AHL game I'm uh, can watch tonight, and the wife and I are going to go catch one tomorrow up in Grand Rapids and watch the Griffins play Rockford. So nice. that should be pretty good. That's the Red Wings uh, minor league affiliate. So they got a lot of studs down there playing right now. We're headed to Boston to watch the Bruins play next weekend. No, I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> it's the closest. What are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. I get it. I don't know. I'd probably be an Ottawa fan or Montreal if I was Boston. Holy crap. I honestly don't even <laughs> you watch like, hockey. You like, hey, you like that little ball of hate? Is he one of your players? Oh, I <laughs> funny story. He's actually a friend and business partner. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy <laughs> true story <laughs> I, i'm just going to assume i know who you're talking about <laughs> so you had a good fall uh yeah actually i had a great i had an awesome fall awesome season man um i had fun from september to february last day we hunted was february 11th so um, oh you stuck cool, right with her early. Oh yeah, yeah. Pretty diverse, you know. Anything from big geese to little geese to wood ducks, bluebills, mallards, shovelers—you name it. Probably shot 
probably shot the whole band of stuff. It wasn't because we were chasing it. We just went best option. Yeah, it looked like you hunted a lot of big water. Where were you when you were hunting that? A lot of divers. Uh, a little bit of everywhere, honestly, uh, from Michigan all the way down to Oklahoma. Really? Um, based them quite a bit with a boat, yeah. That's gotten to be fun. Um, I don't know. That That's part of the other reason I think the season was so much more fun. I did did a lot more water hunting than I did in, in years past instead of just chasing honkers all the time. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, when you think about the dog that you have, like most of your hunting is in fields similar to us. I mean, the only time that my dogs really touch water is when we're training in the summertime. We, I don't know if they picked a bird up out of the water this year, to be completely honest. So it's pro- he's probably enjoying that, getting a chance to, to swim a little bit. He might, but at, at 11, he'd probably be like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> And she still want to do this, but no, uh, he, he, I mean, he's pretty easy. He's good. You know, pretty much, pretty much any situation you put him in, he's pretty well about the same. He's probably not, he's probably not the best at any one game, but he's pretty good at a lot of them. Well, you must have something coming up. Do you got to, you going to get a new pup or. Uh, I've got, I've got to start thinking about that. Um, I keep pushing it off. Keep hoping I get another season. Like, like this, this was his 11th season. He started when he was seven months old. Barely, you know, he knew enough to pick up a bumper when he first started. And, and uh, um, this, like I said, this was his 11th season. And I, I, I think we'll be able to get a, one more out of him. You know, unlimited. I say that, but you know, we hunted him pretty much every every day we hunted. Yeah, well, he doesn't um, look eleven. That's for sure. Yeah, I didn't ever get. Oh, that. he doesn't act like it either. But you know that stuff goes fast. So yeah. But hopefully, you know, between Phil's dog Hank and, and a couple other ones, we can mix it up a little bit and give him give him some time off and, um, you know, make sure he gets a good rest and whatnot. But yeah, it's it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult that starting over with a young dog. But uh, I'm thinking about start getting a started dog or you know like a field trial washout or something like that mm-hmm. is kind of what. Kind of the direction I'm thinking, you know, I've waited too long really to probably start a puppy, especially with the age of the rest of the dogs in our group too, you know. Yep. Mm, definitely. So when, what's day one for, when is the, uh, what's your first day of the season? Because you said you hunted until February 11th. When do you start? Yeah, September 1st is usually when oh, I start. Okay. You can start out in North Dakota like October 15th, I think, but I'm still usually working shows. I'm usually at game fair that during that time frame and i and to be honest with you i i I would i would rather start about october 15th so i could keep fishing until then but um but yeah september 1st is when we usually start over that's a long season i don't get i don't get super serious about it on the first just because my allergies are so bad with ragweed at that time that Mm. it gets pretty rough you still want to get out and get after them a little bit yeah, definitely. When do you go to Manitoba? Uh, if we go, it's usually the towards the end of September. But I mean, that's getting harder. They got the you know the draw system now, so you're not guaranteed you can go anymore. Um, it's hunting's getting harder and harder anywhere you want to go, man. It's getting uh, it's either getting overcrowded or you're getting pushed out for. Uh, 
the money, you know, starting to get to be an, an elite, kind of an elitist sport. Yeah. Unfortunately. Well, yeah. You take all these YouTube channels and stuff that promote that do do it yourself hunting and all that stuff. You know, it's all a good thing, but it's got repercussions. They're, they're seeing that with white tails and elk and everything, you know, a lot of do it yourself well, hunters and. You know, and, and on top of that, it's just we're faced with less and less habitat every year to to be able to go out and do it. You know, it's like my neighbor, you know, he's, he's they sold their property and in, in a big, uh, big corporate farm bottom and trees don't make them any money. So they're bulldozing down the woods. And, you know, I mean, that, that's what held the turkeys around here for us to hunt. So it's just every year you're faced with stuff like that. It doesn't seem like they're building more habitat. They're just taking it away, putting yep. tile on the ground. Mm-hmm. They get harder and harder and jamming us up on, jamming us up on smaller and smaller tracts of land and, <clears throat> you know, push this to public and what, what other stuff's available and people are starting to lease it and start to just become a big money deal anymore. Well, it's kind of hard to. It's one of the, you know, like Manitoba, that's why it was, it was one of the few places out Western Canada where you could actually be a freelancer, just like, you know, our, our, you know, our grandparents used to do. So uh, that's getting hard. Yeah. When did they put that in? That was last fall or the fall before they put all that in with the non-residents? Last year was the first one where we had to draw. Yeah. Yeah. Did you draw? Yeah, because everybody was guaranteed this next year. It's it's uh, a quota. Oh, okay. On how many groups yeah. they'll let in, or what for the season, or how's that work? Number of people, twenty five. I think it's right around twenty five hundred uh, non resident, uh, non Canadians, and that's. I mean, that's not heck, man. You go to Biomeda in Arkansas on the weekend, and there's twenty five hundred people at it. Twenty five hundred people over eleven million acres in Manitoba from September 24th to the middle of October isn't a lot of pressure. It's not people. No. Uh, you know, especially when, especially when you figure, I mean, 2,500 people, I'm not, I don't have a calculator, but what's the average group size of, uh, uh, you know, guys running chasing Canada geese? Five, six, seven? Yeah, yep. five, you know? seven, five to eight. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Divide that 2,500 by, by seven and and then spread that out over 11 million acres. Yeah, in a, it's not very probably, many groups. Uh, yeah. In a month, over a month period, yeah, it's not very many groups. You know, yeah. granted, there's some areas that are better than others and probably have more concentration, but golly jeepers, you can find a place somewhere to go. It makes you, know, you wonder yeah. how they come to make these decisions. The outfitters like, up there, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was. On. I think it was the outfitters. It's probably all financial. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I think that somebody probably felt like they were yeah. they were losing out, yeah. and then lobbied lobbied the government. Yeah. And I'm surprised, though, in a way, sort of that that got pushed through. Bada boom, bada bing, hit the nail on the head. They're, you know, they they have a, a, a formalized group, and they went to the government right after COVID, figured out that hey, man, we could. Uh, we can have a lot of land here and not a lot of pressure in people if we just, you know, put some of these in place and yeah. So, and, and there again, it's, it's, we've talked about it before. It's death by a thousand, death by a thousand nails. And it's just, our own greed is taking over and ruining the sport. 
you know, instead of making a making rules that are good for everybody and roll the ball out and let everybody play, we got to make rules that are good for thee and not for me, you know? Yeah. Mm. Well, it makes it tough, especially where you've been going there for years. Oh, yeah. Especially we got a house up there. And yeah, that's so. right. It's not like you go up there and <clears throat> stay in a motel. No. But, I mean, some places we do around the country, but yeah. Well, you guys are kind of quiet tonight for a Friday night. Not even sipping any, sipping in any adult beverages or what? Oh no, I'm down two yeah. pops already. Oh, there. I've got the, a beer as well. Into the barley sandwiches, Absolutely. big time. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. What about you? Yeah. What do you get on the go? Uh, I'm not doing much here. Yeah, it's still early here. I just got done working. Oh, just got done Bring working. What time is it? What are you doing? Editing? Well, uh, I've been yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you, you would do all of that for your stuff that you film in the fall? Not all of it. Uh, a couple of outfitters that we've done some stuff with, you know, making some clips and whatnot for them, uh, organizing stuff up for the TV show. We've got we've got an actual editor that does our show now. So do you still do any, uh, like, freelance videography or anything like that? Uh, I Not much now. Yeah. Not since Jimbo. Uh, not since Jimbo left, um, took the job at Drake. Now I've, I'm on the road a little bit more, so it's kind of taken away some of that them free weekends that I'd have to do some of that freelance mm-hmm. stuff. So, yeah, yeah, you know, unfortunately, but right on. Yeah. Well, that's that's good though, in a way. I guess uh, maybe you'd rather be home, but get to experience a little bit more shooting. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit more of the, a little bit more of what's out there to offer. I know it's it's cool to get around and hunt different places, man. We've talked about this before, just some of the cool stuff, and I think it makes you a better hunter too. You know? Oh, absolutely. Out there, you know, you hunt the same duck blind every day. Well, you get pretty good at that duck blind, but it doesn't give you a whole lot of skills when you go other places around the country. And I don't know. One thing I've learned is that just because I get to hunt a lot of places. It doesn't mean I know when I come, you know, when I come to your place that I got all the right answers. You know what I mean? That's everybody thinks, oh, you know, it's so-and-so coming. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to shoot them up. Well, why do you say that? Oh, they've been so tough. Well, <laughs> what makes you think I'm going to do it any different than you are, you know? But, <clears throat> but one of the things I think by hunting all over the place and hunting with a lot of different people is you draw on different experiences. And, and that's what I do a lot of times when I come into a, a new place, it's, you know, local knowledge trumps everything. You, you need to know what's working, what's going on, what the birds are doing. And you can make some assumptions and, and deductions from that. You know, if something's working, then do this. If it's not, then, you know, if, if what they're doing isn't working, well, you know, you've tried that. And then in that instance that there's like an if, then, but if, you know, uh, if this is working, then do this. But if it isn't, then try this. So, so. With your fall, um, how did you notice the migration? It was really slow here. Yeah, like very slow. <laughs> Super. It was it tropical. Was Everything was a trickle everywhere. You know, that's that's why I, I hear a lot of you know towards January and you know December, January people down south. There's no ducks. The paper ducks. These lying to us. Deltas. Da 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 da. No, they weren't lying. I mean, they knew there were less ducks you know, from the, uh, the May pond counts and what in the breeding population, 
but it was the weather, man. It was just a hundred percent the weather. It's that warm. Uh, it's just a, an abnormal couple of years and whether it's the way, way it's going to be from now on, or if it's just a, a cycle, I tend to believe it's probably more of a cycle. Um, and we're due for some, or, you know, some real winters, but we haven't had a real winter in the last couple of years. No, yeah, we haven't. It's, it's been the same you know, up when you're here. Talk, yeah. When you're talking, well, it's the same all the way across from Eastern Canada, Western Canada, all the way down, down here. When you're talking to guys around Christmas time that are shooting eight, 10 man limits of greenheads up in Alberta. Yeah. 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 That's right. I mean, come on, man. That's not right. Like it should yeah. not be that, you know, and people are, you know, and I got other people telling me in Saskatchewan, like up till almost Christmas time, they were ducks and geese scattered all the way to the tree line. And, yeah. you know, people are, you know, people in, in all their areas are going, well, you know, there's, there's everybody down south are saying, you know, they're still up in the Dakotas and the Dakotas are saying, well, there's not that many here. Well, when you add up, it doesn't take much when you have three, four, five thousand birds in one area and three, four thousand birds and da, 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 and do that all the way from Louisiana all the way to the tree line in Saskatchewan. It doesn't take a lot of those, you know, one to four thousand bird uh, little pockets to add up to the your exact population. Yeah. 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 You're talking <laughs> millions. Yeah, we had nothing to concentrate them all fall we had one little shot early and you thought oh boy man we're gonna we're gonna have a winner we're gonna have a winner well we've had that same deal past couple years (coughs) excuse me you know and it gives you that first shot and then you kind of get those early ducks and then you're just sitting there and you're stagnant same with the geese and you know as much as people were upset and looking for for ducks heck man we were looking for geese too like yeah. We had what we had, but we weren't getting any new ones. Yeah, <laughs> they were all mm. doing the same, the same thing. Yeah, yeah, same, yeah, same a, thing uh, here. And I mean, you know, I talked to talked to Rob. Have... <clears throat> What's that? <laughs> Sorry, I was going to say we talked to Rob Capozzi. He's one. He's one of the biologists here a couple of years ago, and I said, and and that year it was fairly cold, and uh, I said, we've had warm falls and winters in the past and i said do you think that waterfowl would still like if it stayed you know 15 degrees and it was warmer out all fall no snow i'm like do you think if they had feed here that they would leave and he's like i think a percentage of them would i think if you had like young and and old birds going early i think they would he's like but i I can't really confirm or deny that they would move if if they had food and water. Like he he said, you know, the whole premise is for them to only go as far as they have to. And he's, you know, if like this fall, if they're sitting on Lac Saint Jean, they're sunning their feet on the beach. Like, what the hell would they come down here for? Mm-hmm. You know, and and they didn't. They it was super stale. You know, lots of places there should have been geese or just wasn't. Yeah, I think it's like he said though. He said, I think some do. Because, I mean, even in September, they're flocking up and starting to fly south, some of them. So, I mean, those those ones are going regardless, I think. And then you got the late birds that I feel like probably the late birds, they'd be, if they can, they're just being chased by ice pretty much and feed. Yeah. I think they'd stick around. Um, I think a, a missed component, you know, people think, well, it's, it's food and water. 
access to it and you know ice and snow and whatnot yeah that that does have an effect on it but any any more there's another component and that's pressure yeah that adds it. and <clears throat> and they've learned you know like the geese have learned i know through the midwest that they used to they used to take off and migrate i mean let's just take canada geese for instance 25 30 years ago they used to come off uh, in the midwest they come off of hudson bay they migrate pretty much close to nonstop off Hudson Bay, and the majority of them would hit Horicon Marsh, and then they'd stay there for a little while. There'd be half a million birds there at any given time, <clears throat> and then they'd pick up from there and then hit southern Illinois, and that's where they spent the winter until spring and went back up. They don't do that anymore. They don't even hardly hit the uh, Horicon Marsh anymore. They kind of hit every little to his lagoon and beaver pond and lake and spread out uh, all the way down, and they just push as far as they have to go. They just stay away from that pressure. Right. You know, the, the refuge here at the house 30 years ago would have, in, in late October, beginning of November, would have 25,000 birds on it. It doesn't have, it won't get more than about 4,000, 4, 5,000 now at peak time when there's three foot of snow on the ground. Yes, sir. That's why they're all moving we've to the got, cities. <laughs> we've got, yeah, we've got more Canada geese now than we ever have before. And, you know, it's just a product of, you know, these, these refuges had blinds set up everywhere, people parachuting, decoying them. And, you know, the refuge here by the house, it's a public draw. And literally there's a blind all the way around, all the way around the square refuge. There are zones where you can literally hunt side by side. You're going to be eight, 10 groups of hunters in the same field side by side. And every goose in there gets called out, called out or shot at every single day <laughs> or sees or hears, you know, a goose call. <clears throat> if, so it doesn't take long to just figure out that, man, they just, they'll, they'll wrapped up 10 miles away on the river and never get to the refuge. If waterfowl hunting was like that for me, where you had to basically sit shoulder to shoulder with, I wouldn't even I, hunt. I wouldn't do it. Like, no. But, we're, but we're spoiled here. Oh, definitely. You know. I right. guess and you don't know that until you go elsewhere. We didn't run into anybody really this year. No. Yeah, this year this Weird. year was strange for yeah. us. I mean, and, but realistically, you had to you had to know where they were this year, too. Mm-hmm. It's a it, good thing that there wasn't a lot of people out, because there wasn't a lot of groups of birds. There, yeah. there wasn't, and when the river... When the river gets high, because we had a big bunch of rain, which is our main roost area, like they move, they're not going to paddle all night. No. So yeah. if you don't know where they go, then most of the people that are just taking the normal drive up and down that that don't see any, the weekend warriors are mm. just going to say, oh, we'll just go deer hunting or yeah. partridge. They were roosting in some different areas this year I for see sure. Some weird roosts. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Like places you drive by and like, what the hell are they going into? Like, yeah. Look on. On X or whatever, and it's like, holy shit. Never seen birds there before. Oh, she's just been a weird year all around. Like, Man, even this, like this winter. Like, there's no snow here right None. now, Sean. Yeah, like, grass yesterday. Yeah. Like our, like, our lodge usually has five, six feet of snow. We're, you know, balls deep in snowmobilers right now, and yeah. it's gravel out there. There's, yeah. like, five inches of snow. Instead of five feet. Yeah, it's crazy. It's the mildest winter I've ever, I can ever remember. Yeah. And it's going up to 10 degrees, which is what's that, and... Yankee temperature, forty. Mid You'll 40s. have to do it on mid, your phone. Mid forty. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't, I can't yeah. calculate that. 
above freezing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, plus plus ten Celsius here, whatever that is. T-shirt weather. I'll let you know in just a minute. Ten is about forty. 48. That's 50 yeah. degrees Fahrenheit there you go. for the next two or three days. Like, that's insane. Yeah. It should be minus 20. Yeah. Well, it was the other yeah. night. It went from like 10, 10 degrees all the way down to minus 30. Yeah. That's what it should be this time of year. Well, even last night, it was minus 17 or 18. Yeah. Yeah. That global warming didn't take in account all the hot air you blow, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been blowing her out tonight. <laughs> Both, yeah. ends. Both, Both ends. Both ends. One end a lot yeah. more active than the other. You got a lot of pressure built up. <laughs> need to, need to a little, release. A little too much bean dip, was it? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Too much moose meat. Sean, are you doing, do you judge any field trials or SRS events or anything? I think I am. Uh, I. <laughs> I, my time is so limited anymore, but um, I got a, 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 a club here by us. It's about an hour away, and my buddy's on the committee, and he's got some property up there, and he called wanted me to judge the the minor stakes. So I'm going to head up there in May and and judge that. So, yeah, do the derby and the qualifying. There you <laughs> go. That'll that'll be good for you to get back yeah, into so that. Yeah, I'm going to fishing for it, but, yeah. I don't mind it. I I love watching good dog work. Mm. So well, and there's a pile of them down there. I mean, it's it's amazing how quick those those things book up. Like here, you would never have to worry about being on Entry Express. For us, it's uh, it's a it's a different platform, but you'd never have to worry about being on there at midnight to get your dog in. Like down there, it's crazy how many yeah. people are playing the game. Yeah, some of the hunters down there definitely do, but the field trials, it's. Whoever wants to sign up, come on. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. There's that many. That's yeah, good. There's a lot of events for for people to play the game, and there's a ton of dogs. That's for sure. I don't know. Like your national down there, national master would have had like pff, over a thousand dogs or something crazy like that. Ours will have here. It's here this year, and in, in, uh, it's actually in PEI, and it'll have probably like sixty five dogs. <laughs> but we're pretty spread out I mean, here too. How many are you going to have tuned up? Uh, I've got uh, Tank is geared to go. Otter's qualified, but she's she's too old. She won't be running the national. If she does, it'll be showing up to the line and <laughs> turning around and going back yeah, to the truck. A pair of aviators <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, but I'm going to start running Memphis in, in uh, Masters. She got her senior title, finished that last year. so, And she had a super good fall. So uh, we'll probably run some early spring events and and try to get her qualified so nice. she's got all the she's got all the right stuff in tank i'm probably going to run him in in some hunt test if i have memphis there but i'm mostly planning to run him in, in field trials where are you going to be running him where are the field trials in this area uh every club has them do they i know yeah. there's like there's one in new brunswick pei and yep Nova Cape Bre Cape Breton, yeah. Eastern Flyway in the Valley, yeah. Nova Scotia. We have a ton of events here. That's it's good. It's unbelievable, you know, That's for, good. for well, a small area. Like you could you could run every weekend. That's where you need to be anyway. Yep. <coughs> oh, yeah. He's not he's yeah. He wants hey, to run, run Bring that horse way. down here and run him. Come on. There you go. Yeah, I know. He need, he needs to. <laughs> right about now he's probably standing on the ceiling. He's the the neighborhood walks are not doing it for tank, <laughs> no. so uh, there's a there's a local horse barn here that I was yeah. talking to the other day, and 
she said that uh, she'd rent it out to me, so maybe he'll get to do some more meaningful work. I th think he'd enjoy it. Yeah, I don't know how he would survive the winter without being run daily. Yeah, he doesn't like it, but that's for sure. Hope. But neither does she. Memphis isn't far behind him, my God. Mm. Oh, Laurie's got my dog out right now, free running out back. He has to go every day, at least once, just to burn off steam. I just open the door and hand him a bumper and turn him loose for a half hour. <laughs> he just chases himself around, eh? <laughs> yeah, he just runs around, throws it around, rolls on it, runs around some more, drops it, goes pees on something, comes back, runs around with it some more. That's a good life there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's been a good boy for you, no question. Yeah. Yeah, he has. He's He's been a pretty cool dog. Pretty cool dog. I was trying to think of it today because I was, I was looking through some of your videos and stuff. And I know that I asked you this last time and I couldn't remember what we come up with. But do you remember that video you had of the dog going up the side hill across, across the, the river? Yep. It was a smaller river. What dog was that? That was Trace. Trace. Yeah. That was yeah, a hell of a he retrieve. Was, <laughs> he, was, he was on a trot. He did that twice on that hunt. Um. That well, that dog was out of chopper, same as uh, well, Carl, Carl's grandpa is chopper. He's out of freeway, and then freeway was out of chopper. Right. So they were somewhat related, these two, but they acted, they act totally different. Acted, I guess Trace is dead now, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He, Trace, was, he was quite Trace, a boy. Well, he was a little high maintenance. Was he like just high. just a super high dog? You mean? Uh, just every day it was just something new. It was like, wow, I've never seen a dog do that before, <laughs> and sometimes it wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> it was never it was like, like, oh fuck, my dog can do that, eh? It was like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Some days you're barely hanging on. Oh man, so you're like training, you'd be on the line and. You go to have a triple or a quad out there, and you're going to run them, run them as singles, and they throw the first bird, and he looks off it, or you go to send him, and he looks off it, jumps across your feet, and runs over to the flyer, you know, and, and we didn't even shoot the flyer. Right. He just, just knows He just knows they're over there. Yeah. He's like, you're going to do it his way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll stand over here and wait for you guys to shoot that bird. That's the one I want. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Sean, I wanted to talk to you a little bit. I don't know what, what else you guys got right on the top of your head, but I kind of wanted to go down the contest calling road with you a little bit and talk about yeah. that. We've been, we've been talking about that a little bit here and I've been putting some stuff back up on my walls and, thinking about it quite a bit and and uh we never ever had a lot of contests here in canada but here in the east we we always had a few and it was always a lot of fun how old were you when you got into that like how long had you been contest calling you're all done now i i assume yeah i shoot man i didn't get into it till late well i say i say late compared to what right now it's a young kid sport yeah um i was probably 20 or so when I started getting into contest calling, started fiddling around with it. Yeah. And then, you know, it took, you know, 26, I was probably 27, 20, uh, probably 28 before I started getting 
good, you know, it took a couple of years and, and then, I mean, then I, 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 you know, ran the circuit pretty hard for a few years and then, then we had the kid and full-time job and traveling around and it just, the, the fire wasn't there, you know, yep. the, the pride stay on top of the, the game. So I just kind of transitioned out of it. Absolutely. What's it looking like down there now that COVID's over? Uh, it feels like the contest calling sport is dying, man. Um, the participation is as low as I've ever seen it. Back in the heyday, you know, it wasn't nothing for us to roll in, say, Nicolette, Minnesota for the Northern Nationals. It wasn't nothing to roll up there and have 35, 30, you know, some callers and seeing guys from Southern Illinois, from Iowa, from Delaware, you know, Iowa and Michigan, guys from uh, Nebraska, uh, South Dakota, you know, coming from everywhere to go to these things. And, and you know, it was a $500 first place, but it was a nice trophy, you know, and, and a big accolade. And it was only at the time, man, really, it was only like maybe six contests all across the country. It wasn't many, right? Yeah. And, then it went. Then it went into the heydays. You know, like uh, there was one about every other weekend somewhere. You know, I think the last, I think the last year I called in contests, I I called in sixteen contests that year. That must have been like right around the early two thousands, eh? Yeah, was yeah. Because you won the um, world. You won the worlds in what two thousand? Won the world in two thousand. I think. What was it? The year before. I, I had a spreadsheet somewhere that I, I went to eight out of, or I won eight out of 16 contests the one year and then five out of 11, the next, or one of the, the it could have been flip flop and I won the world. And then after I won the world, I, I didn't really, I don't even know if I went to another contest that next year. I was pretty much done, but I only went back to the world because I won the world and went to, I guess, defend the title. I ended up getting fifth that year, but um, but I was pretty well done then. Yeah, yeah, and you got to – I wasn't practicing. Like, literally the year I won the world, I literally found my goose call, my contest goose call, on the way to the airport <laughs> in, the, in the glove box of my truck. I swear to God. Like, <laughs> I had hunted all fall. You know, because that's the reason I never went to the world anyway is during hunt season. I really only blew in contests to do something outside of – regular you know hunting season to meet people and keep up on the skills and get better as a caller and network and all that jazz yeah so i found my goose call on the way there and i I blew like two routines in the friday afternoon at the uh, hotel outside of it and then went and blew in the contest friday night and made the finals for saturday so yeah i just at that point in the game like you kind of have your routine down and it's kind of etched in your brain and you can do it it's just more having the lung capacity and the, well, the air built up to be able to because them contest calls are a lot stricter than my hunting calls were and that's a real thing you know if you're you might know it in your head but if you haven't been practicing your your body doesn't have that capacity to be <laughs> able to not get exhausted you know it's almost like yeah. cardio really well i tell you what i was lucky i, I mean i was real lucky because my final round, if I had been in a tiebreaker with anybody, I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't be able to keep the call on my on my lips. You know how when you get, yeah, you haven't called it, call it, your lips will come off it. You just, yeah, 
I'd have been toast. Just, no. just no way. Well, that's the freaking thing about the world duck is there's almost always a tiebreaker or two after that third round. Mm. Oh, and you're nervous oh. too. Your damn oh. mouth is dry. Holy Jeepers. shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it do, it really does seem like the contest Colin scene's dying. Uh, is there even a contest in Canada anymore? No, there uh, there was I'll, a like a little what. one in Ontario at some sportsman show, but it's nothing. I um, nothing I was doing special. some research uh, this week just to see because I was looking for some of our pages that we used to use and stuff, and uh, there was one Canadian duck and goose callers or contest callers or something like mm-hmm. that, and there was uh, a DU event out of ontario that might have been the one you were talking about that that had a little calling contest but i don't know we never never had much luck when du was running them no um why do you why do you think it's losing luster i mean i got my my gut feelings but i like to hear good question i think i think that uh when we were doing them here pre-covid there was quite a few guys that were interested in it we would have like what would we have probably 20 people yeah show up. and i mean for here that's for here that's pretty, pretty good that's pretty good and that was just maritimers like there wasn't anybody yeah. traveling from any place else in no. Canada. we had some guys come from ontario that was about it Ontar- ontario east is <clears throat> we've never had anybody farther than that and there's i don't know there well, might be some guys out west, but out west you don't even need to call them. Anyway. They just, got the yeah. birds. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. I don't really know, Sean. I've been thinking about that too. What do you boys? think? I think around here. I mean, I can't speak for the U.S. because I've never been to a contest there. I think around here, I think a lot of people just. Well, there's not any young people getting into hunting hardly to begin with now, let alone contest calling. I think a lot of it. It was the same people winning every time, and some people just didn't want to put in the work to compete. Like, for me, I enjoyed it, but it was not something that I'm going to spend an hour a day practicing or whatever to get good enough to compete with you or whoever. Like, and I think of, I think people just lost interest that way. They didn't stand a chance of winning and didn't want to put the work in to, to win. Right. Around but, here. but here, too, there's there was nothing to win. There was a money title. Was no, no, but money. I'm talking money-wise. Or anything. Oh, yeah. There was a title, but the, yeah. we did our contest different. Um, like we did, we not draw for prizes. We we drew for prizes. We would get all the prizes. But whoever won the duck got to go to Arkansas. Got to go to Arkansas, but there there was not generally any money. But there was, but it was we we kind of did it like that. Like we would we would do like free entry a lot of mm-hmm. times, or like a one time fee of I don't know, like no, like twenty bucks, twenty like, bucks, like yeah. and then you call them whatever you wanted. Like it was. Yeah. You know, it was cheap just to get everybody to to kind of play along, and, yeah. and any of the the stuff that we got <coughs> sponsor wise, we would just, with the exception of like that year that Benelli sponsored, there was some stuff yeah. there that was like we're going to give a gun and we want it to. But go. we had to do does that, it, or no one would have competed. Like, does it seem like some of the prestige of having a title is gone? Like it doesn't mean anything anymore. Like it doesn't seem to carry as much weight. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and you know what? I think you you hit the nail on the head too. Like, we're not getting we're not getting the youth in. We're not getting turnover. You know, our contest callers are getting older and getting out of it. Yeah, you don't have the turnover. I think we, and I think this next generation lacks any competitiveness too. Like, yeah, they don't want that fear of losing and being felt. You know, a feeling of being inferior, so they're just not going to play. You know, or they're going to you know. Uh, just post pictures on the internet and try to gain notoriety that way, I guess. I don't know. And 
And it gets damn expensive anymore. Well, and that's another thing. The cost of everything, travel, hotels, food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's expensive. I mean. If it's limited on a budget, like, I, I'm going hunting. You know, I, like, the contest and hanging out with people are, is, is awesome. It's fun. But, man, if you're on a limited budget, I'm going hunting. Yeah. And that's the thing. Most guys, I think, are blue collar, right? They don't make big money. And if they don't really realistically stand a chance of winning and they're going for the fun of it, well, then they're going to save their money to hunt or do other things that are more important to them well some of those contests down there when you think about uh you know because i'm sure that anybody that was going to have a contest really put a lot of thought into it and they thought okay how are we going to get people here to compete and i think that rogers for one um i think they paid it was like a ten thousand dollar contest was it not you guys can correct me sean it was was a big first place well it was it was paid all the way to like six or seventh place yeah. was getting 500 bucks and uh i remember when we did the podcast with joe hines who obviously yeah. travels around <clears throat> and does a lot he's like man sometimes it's not about the money for me he's like I, I, if they if the contest has a has a cool trophy like that's kind of worth traveling for yeah. you know depending on how much it's going to cost me to get there which i mean we always yeah. had cool ass trophies oh yeah we had those nice plaques and stuff down i went just for the fun of the, I always the liked whole thing the trophy more. yeah the trophy always meant more to me than the money yeah. uh, the trophy in the top like i i had a cool i got a cool one I, I, most of my trophies i don't have in display in my my uh basement anymore but i, I have a couple and one of them is a uh it's a giant pattern master choke tube made out of wood. Well, that's cool. And yeah. yeah, that was one that I wanted. Uh, one they're, that I they're all wanted. in your living room now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've been moved from the basement to the living room. <laughs> yeah. But that's a real thing. I mean, you know, uh, we had that conversation the other day, didn't we, Ryan, about yep. about trophies. Our, our national trophies for the open goose and the open duck are a, are a big, like, it's probably two feet wide, stainless yeah. steel, maple leaf, maple leaf. and uh, it's got a, it's on a bird's, a big bird's eye maple base. It's like it would be as big as one of the world duck trophies, and uh, they're those ones are annuals. But um, we had some, we've had some cool trophies up here, yeah, over over the years. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, Seemed seemed to me like you can blame you can always blame it on COVID, but it was more it was before that, and I think you're right. I think oh, there's yeah. there's probably a, a little bit of a fear of losing. Well, I mean, cost let's cost be real here. The young bucks coming yeah, up nowadays are pansies. They don't want to go get their ass handed to them. Yeah, most of them, not all of them, obviously. There's still a few, there's, but there's I mean, I think there's just a bunch of little things that add up to. I, I don't see the sport, or I don't see contest calling ever being what it was. I think the the, the heydays are bygone. With the when do you th- when do you think the absolute peak of it was? Like how many years ago? I I would say, I mean honestly, I think it peaked somewhere around two thousand. I was going to say yeah. the same because uh, when you think about it, one of the things that with any any club or anything where people had to gather to kind of see each other or, you know, when we weren't connected as much, right around that time, around 2000, early 2000s and whatnot, like social media wasn't as prevalent and prominent as it is now. People just don't really feel a need to belong 
or go and see. Like when we went to those contests, it was, you know, geez, I, yeah, I haven't seen. And even mm. still, like if you if you have, it was that, like a class the yeah. other weekend is where it was. Oh yeah, yeah it was a good yeah, time. Yeah, it that's was. what I went for. Yeah, it was, and, and uh, I would still enjoy doing that. But I certainly think the younger generation definitely doesn't feel that need to belong or yeah. need to need to go. You know, probably they're going to have virtual virtual calling contests where they can stay in their basements and yeah. connect with their well. That a lot of that a lot VR of that goggles was, and shit. a lot of that was tried and and uh, you know I think it went, but I don't know. It's certainly at a at a world level or any level, it doesn't seem like when we first started contest calling, like it it was still kind of big then it was a lot going on that was what 2005 callinducks.com was on there like i tried to look that up today and it's not it's not even a site anymore no 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 so that's definitely a sure sign you know i had everybody's stats and i think you're right like i used to you know if you were sort of like an avery pro staff and you had won some contests were kind of the way to make your way in the waterfowl industry one of the bigger ones for sure yeah that's for sure. Yep. Now, times have changed a lot, really. What about waterfowl shows and, like, just trade shows and stuff? Are they still popular they down have, there, or are they losing steam? Some of them are doing really well. Um, the, the NWTF we just were at down in Nashville, you know, it's a, you know, it's a turkey one, but there's a pile of waterfowl companies there. I mean, a lot of them. I guess any of the who's who's are really set up there. And they just set a record attendance. There were 72,000 people went through there Jeez. in three days. Oh, yeah. So that's big. <clears throat> and then the, the Delta uh, Waterfall Festival down in Little Rock last year was, I don't know the exact attendance number, but uh, judging by our call sales, was pretty well um, attended. And now this year it's going to be in Baton Rouge and Louisiana. And, and it should be uh, another record breaker there and you know game fair out in minnesota's big the ones that are still going are still pretty popular yeah when is that when is that oh, delta waterfowl one in in baton rouge when's that sean july 26 7th 8th maybe something like that and was there last that'd year, be right? fun to go to but my lord it'd be hot as hell down there in july holy frick. yeah it would be yeah and then make a little quick trip down to down to New Orleans for a little time on Bourbon Street. Hell yeah! Ooh. Yep. <laughs> That's Mardi Gras, isn't it? That's where it is. Uh, I don't know what time of year it is though. Yeah. But it's it's a party down on Bourbon Street any day. So yeah, true that. That'd be wild to see at least once. Yeah, any of those bigger mm-hmm. shows like when that that one uh, that Delta puts on. I from what I hear, that's that's super popular. You know, there's uh, they're doing it in the right spot when they did it in Stuttgart there like that that or Little Rock, that was a that was a good spot to do it obviously. Mm-hmm. So, well uh, they're probably getting more popular because because some of the smaller shows don't happen anymore and there's still a lot of guys our age that want to, that enjoy going and would like to go to a sportsman show. I'd love to. Didn't they just get a sportsman show going in Ontario this year? First year? Uh, the Toronto. Uh, uh, that's that's, that's been going. Oh, that's been going. It on. has been. It seemed like they made a bigger deal out of it this year, though. Yeah. I actually seen it places and advertised. 
Well, they're trying to push it, but the thing about those big ones like that is, is the booth space is so much. It's expensive, So much man. money, you know, right. like it's yeah. Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, like for, I I think at NWTF for a twenty by ten is like almost three grand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, know, it, would, it would be all of that well, for something smaller in Toronto. I think. Oh yeah, it I was, can't. It we was, priced it. It was insane. It was a I mean, lot of money. Yeah. For us to go makes no sense because we don't really make any money or not much anyway. Like, yeah. Like you got to well, be. Well, some of it's big about marketing and getting out there, but you're right. Yeah. yeah. And it gets you get these big convention deals, and they're a lot of times they're union shops, so y- you can't even take a pallet jack and unload your own stuff. You got to pay them, you know, by the pound. But it might be. And I had one one uh, vendor there told me they had to pay seventeen thousand dollars to get their booth. That's uh, sent there set on the floor where they're gonna, they were going to set up and i was like holy cow man, that's not man. just a place that's not their hotels you know like the hotels like man we probably had four grand wrapped up in hotel rooms man 17 grand i'd have packed my shit and went home frig that oh. but i mean if you're a player you got to play Oh yeah, I mean those those big shows like that. Like when you're going NWTF, like you're you're gonna yeah. see a lot of people. Like if you if you get a if well, you do get the a, math, seventy two thousand people you're gonna get in front of, and yeah. you need to make them. And if you don't, then your competitors are. So. Yeah, man, you got to be a big player though to throw down twenty five grand for a show. <laughs> so are you traveling yeah. any of this stuff with Tangle Free? Uh no, for Rich and Tone. Just I do. Just just Rich and Tone, eh? Yep. Yep. You know, I'll be uh I'll be at all three of those. Rogers has a pretty cool event. Uh we'll have a booth down there, so I'll be at that one. When's that one? Uh it's the week after it will be the week after um Delta and then the week after that or two weeks after that is game fair. So I at, from July July twenty, whatever that is, I won't have a free weekend. Probably the rest of the fall. Yeah, see that any be- any any of those times, any of those ones are hard for me to anything that's this time of year, like this first quarter of the year, I've got way more availability. Like I would have loved to go to that one in Little Rock or it, or or wherever it or wherever it is. I mean, it's in Louisiana this year, but that'd be a cool show to go to. When I saw the stuff that was there last year, I was like, holy shit, that'd be fun to go to that. Man, I'm telling you, if if there's anyone to go to. It's the one in Nashville at NWTF. Yeah. It, it, take your wife or your girlfriend or whatever. There's just so much. You know, the Grand Old Opry is like you can walk to it from the convention center. Yeah. Um, that's right there. You can take a, an Uber downtown, and there's all kinds of bars and live music and stuff to do down there. Uh, there's just a, a, a lot of lot of stuff to do in Nashville, plus the, the convention. Yeah, well, they had two big venues there this year, the – was it the NWTF and then SCI was there, right? Yeah. Uh, SCI, yeah, it might have been, yeah. Yeah, I think I think maybe even the Sheep Show was there this year, too, in Tennessee, in Nashville. It wasn't in Reno? Well, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember. They're, all them I, shows are pretty close to the same in January there. I kind of lose track of them. They're fun to go to. Like, this is a good time of year to be... Yeah, heading to a show like that, right? Yeah, like I want to do a January show, but like I'd love to get to SCI. 
That's, yeah. That's where I want to end up, but it it would be fun. You got to pay to play there. Like I was talking to Terry Smith and he was telling me what he had into a booth and the hunt donation and everything and they, you know, you're not very far off 20 grand. Yeah, and w- but when you get to those places, you're going to be around people that travel to hunt. That's the good thing about that. Like you might have to pay to play, mm-hmm. but you're going to get some players when you get them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, there's not ever much of a you know, SCI does have a, a little bit of a bird presence, but, you know, it's not as much as your big game. I mean, that's what you'd be going after anyway, but uh, that or even NWDF would be. Yeah. You know, that everybody talks about that one, so it must be a pretty good one, and there'd be, you know, there's a shitload of turkey hunters <laughs> down there with you guys, so. And you say yeah. all those companies are down there, and like even the waterfowl companies? Oh yeah, there's a pile of waterfall There's outfitters. There's everything. Seventy-two thousand people come through there, so you're gonna find somebody that's into what you're doing. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's. Hey right. man, come down, and scope it out. What's that? Just come down and scope it out. Well, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Next year, I really like. I really got the travel bug now. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go. Don't think I haven't been thinking about it either. Yeah, I've been looking awful hard at, uh, at uh, Lacash and and uh, Goose Shack and all of this for snows this spring. I'm getting itchy. Yeah. For my dog show, I've been going to Connecticut training again this year. The, Are you? The you end of gym? Yeah, the end of April. We're going down first week of May. Good deal. So I'd like to be down there right now, actually getting stir crazy yeah first week of may i think that's when i pick up my puppy actually is it you pick it up the day before we leave yeah yeah oh excited for that yeah what'd you what'd you get you Uh, get a labradoodle (laughs) yeah it's mostly it's mostly poodle yeah yeah hypoallergenic eh had to make sure (laughs) for yeah yeah What'd you get, Steve? Tell us. Uh, well, just a lab from uh, Walt Vesey on the island, PEI. Yorkton Kennels. Yorkton Kennels. Yeah. yeah. That's where Memphis came from. Yeah. Same bloodline or similar bloodline, I guess. How is that? Uh, same father. Same father, father, yeah. Yeah, trooper. Trooper. Yeah. Super trooper. That'll, that'll be a real good letter. Yeah. There's some good ones hitting the ground up here. Actually, there's a few puppies on the ground right now that, that uh, Dan DeVos has that uh, i think he's looking to sell that people are fostering for him down this way they're pretty decorated dogs surprised he hasn't sold them but that that whole industry has kind of slowed down through covid everybody was buying dogs you couldn't keep a dog but now i think it's kind of slowed down a little bit puppies hard to sell that's what they're saying yeah well at the price now too just in the last few years well covid made them go up yeah big time and now everyone's trying to stay there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's the thing. But if you can sell hundred and twenty and hundred and thirty thousand dollar vehicles around here at twenty five hundred or three thousand dollar puppies. Yeah. Be oh, <laughs> shit, we were talking about that today. Um anything new that you can talk about, Sean, that you're building? You like to build things. Oh uh, man, I Sean's a right fucking now, engineer. Do you know fucking, that? He's a cabinet engineer. He's a fucking. He, I, he's I'm a furniture engineer. He can build you the best porno couch you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> yes, that's what he used to do, eh? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Plastic wrap it. I've really got not a lot going on. Not a lot working on stuff. Um, 
No, just trying to keep my head above water right now. Trying to get all the stuff going out, get it out for the TV show this year. So, yeah, been busy with that. So, when are you coming up here? I, need, I want to mess around. I want to mess around with a new set of goose guts uh, for the flute call, and I want to mess around with a with a real, true enough, sure enough lesser goose call. Yeah, we we tune our honker calls high pitch for lessers, but that still doesn't make the same sound they do. Yeah, those uh, short calls like that that are real high pitch that you can run real fast. I like those. Yeah, yeah. You used your call a lot this year from from Sean, his little one there. Yeah, the micro or whatever. It's not the micro goose. What is it? The mongoose. What's no. your small call, Sean? L train. The L train. There, yeah. that one. The L train. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Ooh. Those are good. How's that going? Good. Good. Yeah, they're doing doing well. I hold quite a few of them in it. Yeah, believe it or not. A lot of people honker hunting's expanding, man. There's I mean, you got guys down South Georgia shooting Canada geese nowadays, so Oh, they're everywhere. They're the they're the yep. you've made a good investment. You've always been the goose guy over the years. Yeah. Try to be. Everybody else. Everybody else is shooting ducks. So who who are you involved with now, Sean? Just uh, tangle free and mostly rich and tone. Yeah, yeah. We've got. I mean, we got several other partners at uh, Winchester, right? Uh, Arena, Breast uh, Boats. We've got. I mean, Bass Pro Shops. We've got a lot of um, a lot of partners that we work for. Oh, uh there's a, uh, a waterfall show coming up in October, which doesn't bode you guys well, but there's uh, Bass Pro Shop Pyramids putting a deal on in October. Oh, yeah. So that'll be a too. You know, Memphis, as long as you're in the right area and don't step out of bounds, it's still a pretty cool town. Yeah. Yeah. You know. When you come back up. Well, we got to come up with some dates, huh? Yeah, we got a few for you. Probably be somewhere right after I go to Memphis. When do you go to Memphis? <laughs> Mid-October, like 16th, 17th, somewhere in there. Yeah, well, that's what we were thinking. We figured we'd try to get you here like mid-October would be ideal. Yeah. Hey, man, we're just glad to be there. We're going to have to be at the peak times. That's what I tell everybody. I, I'd rather hunt less birds and less pressure than more birds and more pressure. Come in November, then. Stay the, <laughs> stay till Christmas. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you get from yeah. November to December, that'd be an ideal. Yeah. Actually, uh, this this year. I, did, I tell you what, I'd want to be there when the, when the colors are on. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. would be some sight. Yeah. I, that, that, that would wreck my colorblind. <laughs> you know, trying to find geese down in the valley below you flying in colored trees you get real good at hearing them yeah. <laughs> it must be a thing with what? waterfowlers fucking color blindness yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, I'm color blind too what are you color blind yeah. for what colors all oh, of them much every, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i always tell people i see I mean, black I, and white not that i don't see color i see color but so many of them just blend together yeah that, nothing pops out like you know like people you know if you go 
deer hunting or goose hunting or wherever and you're trying to track a blood trail and for most people they can see color it's just like a neon road for them yeah. and me i like a little wet trail you know if i see anything yeah my brother and i are both colorblind and we're always having if we're trying to track something you got to put your finger on it and look at it touch it <laughs> see whether it's water or whether it's actually that was one of the most comical things ever when we went deer hunting in indiana with jason and your brother scott scott being like i didn't know color blindness was that bad like (laughs) it looked like somebody dumped a five gallon bucket of blood on the ground i'm like he's like is that blood i'm like i just looked at him and laughed and like he's like is that blood or is that water i'm like holy shit is it you can't tell that's blood like that's literally yeah. like a pail of blood, man. He said, "Just looks like a wet spot." Like, what in the frig? Like, yeah, like the ground is are. painted red. And anyway, couldn't believe it. Like he can't, he couldn't track anything. Yeah, he couldn't find a. Way. It's tough. <laughs> yeah. Red chalk on a on a black chalkboard. Matt's yeah. like, my God, that's a gorgeous mallard. Well, how the fuck would you know? <laughs> it's black and white. <laughs> I can just tell by the shape. <laughs> Jeez. That's a pretty redhead on that mallard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. I always thought pintails had a redhead. Really? Yeah. Look at the brown head on that. I'm like, what? What do you mean brown head? <laughs> yeah, like bright red. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It's x-ray vision, boys. Yeah. Extra. You should get some of those you glasses there that know. make you see colors. Right. The crying glasses. Yeah. Everybody, everybody, cries, everybody, everybody c- puts them on and cries. Cries when they put them on. I can see that happening to you. Yeah, I can too. Yeah, you're pretty emotional. Yeah. yeah you know me well. Steve. Push you over the edge. Yeah. Nice to hear you talk. <laughs> yeah, forgot, I've been just listening. Taking it in. over here. You fucking what you, all in. What do you yeah. want? 250 milligrams of weed gummies no. or something? <laughs> that's, what all that, that's what all that heavy breathing has yeah. been there, Sean. <laughs> heavy breathing and barley sandwich opening. So, yeah. Steve, why don't you tell us a little bit about your new job and what you've been doing? <laughs> well, things slowed down at the potato chip plant, so I figured I'd get a job at Ski Patrol on the weekends at their local hill. So I've been spending the weekends picking people <laughs> up out of the woods. Anything from broken legs, collarbones, to you know heart attacks, anything. And you love every minute of that. I have no sympathy, so it's a perfect job for me. I have no problem when somebody's broken and contorted. and you know I can crack jokes, and I think I'm hilarious, but <laughs> I don't think they do. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. looks like fun. you ripped off your bottom lip. Yeah. Lip skid, I said. How come you did yeah. that? We had a gentleman land on his face, and I looked at him. I said, you've probably been skiing long enough to know you're not supposed to land on your face, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) He didn't even laugh. He didn't even get a smile. It must be constant, though. Every day. Well, he probably couldn't smile with no bottom lip. Yeah, (laughs) that could be (laughs) He probably was smiling. He just couldn't tell. (laughs) It's a lot more than I didn't expect it. Being a person who spent a lot of time skiing and snowboarding, I didn't realize it. The casualties. <laughs> oh, it's bad, man. I worked at Crab Mountain yeah. for a couple years when I was a teenager, and shit. Yeah. I run the snowmobile and the yeah. paddy wagon. Yeah. Holy frig. I've been doing a lot of that. Just constantly lugging bodies yeah. off the mountain. It's wild. It's enjoyable. I like it. Yeah. Imagine a <laughs> like, place like Aspen or something. Yeah, place couldn't imagine. Like thousands of people or Whistler. Well, I wanted to do it because of the waterfowl hunting and the bear hunting and stuff, taking people out all the time. I kind of wanted to be prepared for if somebody snaps, you know. Well, or breaks her ankle or i'll tell you what that'll be perfect because if there's a lot of blood i'm probably yeah. just gonna geez yeah. looks like your bone's sticking out here <laughs> boom i'll be on the ground yeah, steve you're I up i don't realize how easy it can happen a sharp arrow anything you yeah. know don't take much yeah 
that's the nice thing about the A-frames. At least we're up and, you know, we can see each other. But Well, and see, this is the thing. Like, you see some outfitters hunting out of layout blinds, and I couldn't do it. Yeah. There's been so. I mean, think about the accidents we've seen yeah. since we've been hunting, right? Yeah. I've seen six. We've seen so some far. dandies. And nobody got hurt, thank God, but guys like shooting holes in the ground and, you know, just, yeah, putting their gun in the blind. Like mm-hmm. they're just the most. Yeah, real. I had a guy shoot the toe out of a layout blind. Cool. Holy he was crazy. putting the gun in the blind with them. Just, I was calling, calling geese one time when they were coming in and. Boom! <laughs> this just the end of the blind when I shot the oh, right frig. out. We had we've had someone in a layout shoot the ground right in front of him. I'm like man, just big bang and a humongous cloud of dust. And like, holy shit, what was that? Yeah. I don't I don't know. <laughs> and well, hopefully I'll be prepared if it happens. Anyways, yeah. Oh, I'll be I'll be calling you in if yeah. that happens. Yeah, it's been but, fun. I mean, so far so good. Yeah. Yeah, we'll hope we hope we'll hope we don't need you. Yeah, I mean that brings up a good point, really. I mean we've gone, we've talked about this a little bit probably on every podcast, but it's hard to say what the next step is going to be other than going back as far as gear goes. Yeah, we've Can't, yeah we've gone into pretty good detail about that movement movement on goosey. That's what we think overall. What do you think, Sean? What's the next innovation in in waterfowl hunting? Do you think, or do you or do you know? <laughs> uh, it's gotta be it's gotta be motion man yeah. i i we ran a bunch of motion on the water this year and not i'm not talking just spinners i'm talking swimmers flashers that yeah. kind of stuff and noticed a big difference and somehow some way i need to look at translating that into in the field yeah the thing That's about what we the, said. But the thing about it is is, is it, i feel like people have ideas but how do you market it at, cost an, affo- of at an affordable cost? Yeah, you know. And ha- affordable, that's the deal. Yeah. I honestly think, though, I get some remote controls. I mean, I I didn't do it this year. I said it's I was going to. But we should string together three or four decoys on a remote control and a little trolley system and just drive them through the X as they're flying in. You know well, what I mean? it's so much tougher with goose decoys right like there's yeah. lots of different flapping geese i mean that's yeah. that's been the that's been the thing and geese that will move left to right or or bob their head or but actual movement though. actual movement yeah because i mean it's uh, like you said sean on the water you know you've got wobblers and and butts that are spitting water with bilge pumps even some swimmers now yeah looking natural i mean i don't <clears throat> i don't know how many times you know you hunt on the water you have geese to land long on the water and this last year i started i started using some higdon swimmer goose floaters and geese would just swim in and look at yeah. them like swim, look at them or try to fight them and i, know, I, I like it when they paddle in yeah yeah <laughs> i'm a big fan of that yeah that, that old guy that i yeah the old guy that i take hunting he's local here I, I, i've hunted with him for 40 years now probably but uh he uh, his deal is he likes to shoot them when they're swimming at him. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to attack them. Self defense only. A good water swat. I, he, he he can't stand up and shoot or anything. He's got a bad shoulder, so I got like a a little youth model gun that he just kind of I got that that tangle free blind stool. I got it screwed all the way up, so he's basically standing up in the panel blind. And he just kind of leans over and clicks the safety off and shoots them. We let him shoot first. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Hey. Whatever it yeah, takes, but he's happy. Motion, but you know, the hard part with that motion, though, I've tried little things. I've made like little, little, uh, cut little black strips uh, off a flag, you know, maybe like six, eight inches long and two inches wide, and put them on little uh, key rings in, in the spread to try to, you know, just get little flashing motions and stuff and tried that for, for, uh, for lessers, uh, you know, the flappers, the, uh, the clones, all that stuff. They, they work, but I don't know something we got, you know, and I'll, I'll put, I've mixed in like, uh, um, sock decoys in my full body spread, you know, here and there. And, you know, cause sometimes when you watch honkers don't move a lot, uh, they move a lot less than lessers, but you'll see like a family group walking. Like if you're watching a group of honkers, yeah. you'll see them all standing. You'll see like a family group walking. So I'll take like three, four, five uh, socks and I'll put them in a line, you know, that kind of stuff. But, you know, I see people, you know, with tracks and everything, but man, I, I'm still in that keep it simple, stupid deal. And I throw all my stuff in a trailer and I want to be able to pick up and get out fast. So that stops me from, from doing a lot of that jazz. Yeah. I think between keeping it realistic and and everything it's tough like you're better off raising a dozen canada geese and just walking them in the trailer and then unwalking them <laughs> that'd be ideal yeah pinning them to the ground and leash, and leash them to the ground yeah you know calling yeah. geese even if you just had one yeah. just had one that would walk around the decoys well you know, like and there's not one decoy that works you know there's some out there i won't go into brands that that they're so lifelike and realistic but Man, I've hunted over them, and I've hunted over 20, 30 dozen of them. I've hunted over uh, horse trailers full of uh, stuffer decoys, and I've hunted over black and white. And on certain days, it doesn't matter what you're using. It's just not going to work. Yeah. Um, even the most realistic stuff just doesn't seem to work. Now, granted, the people that, that use them generally have more confidence in their decoys, and if you're confident in stuff, I think you're more apt to – pay more attention to other details that probably help out like setting your blind up uh calling you know some of your call and that kind of stuff and using the sun and all that stuff i think you're more apt to when you when you're going with confidence of anything you know comp, uh, confidence breeds competence so mm. um but yeah i don't i don't think realism you know is the answer is live birds will fly over live birds to get where you're going sometimes yeah True story. And Somehow we realistic motion would be the key. You remember those you ever remember you ever have any of those old foam goose heads that were on like that little uh uh spring look, steel? That looked like and a you, cork. You'd put it into the Yeah. The, yeah. Put it in that big put it in the big foot head and go. Yeah. Yeah, I those had a few of them. Quite a bit of motion, but yeah, they're I don't even know if I have any left anymore. They've probably all been ate by a mouse. It, you know, it's it's funny you brought up, like, the the decoys that you have confidence in. When you think about places that have a lot of, that historically did a lot of goose hunting or do a lot of goose hunting, like someplace like Maryland, like, those guys would hunt over, and they'd probably do it in southern Illinois and other, other places as well. But you look at the evolution of decoys and, and the way that they'll you know they turn tires inside out i saw a guy online the other day selling a whole bunch of those and some of the some people were on there like oh geez what the hell would you use them for nowadays with with all the good quality decoys that are out there and buddy's like man you I bet gotta you have an, 
Yeah, if you knew how many birds were killed over the yeah. old good I years. Saw that too. <laughs> you put like 2,000 of those out, every bird that flies over is going to be like... That geez. was on Facebook, wasn't it? It was, yeah. yeah and that I th- was quite I a thread. It turned into quite a thread. Yeah. I, I can't remember what. Because you, you don't see them much, but I remember... Uh, Remember old Gritz Gresham? Yeah. <laughs> he went down there. Oh, yeah. he, he was hunting with somebody down there in, in Maryland, and he had a, like a whole yard full of these different decoys. And, and now we've gotten away from that stuff, right? Like nobody talks about yeah. you having an arsenal. Well, I mean, you do, Sean, but uh, most of the time it's like this is the most realistic decoy you'll, you'll ever see. And, and it's like you said, I mean, you, you can be real all you want, but even here we've seen it like in 2010 – I had fully flocked decoys. I wouldn't. We wouldn't hunt over one no, that wasn't fully flocked. And yeah. now it's like we were drinking the Kool Aid. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> and at the time, oh, yeah. at the time, we had a smaller amount of birds, yeah. and uh, but now we have more. Yeah, and it's more of a numbers game for us. You Definitely, because uh, around here, no one has numbers except you guys. Yeah, you too. Nobody but else. No one else well, has I that amount of decoys. Oh. Like, I think a lot of times, like especially around here, when it gets tough and the pressure's on, it's doing the opposite of what everybody else yeah. is doing. Big time. You know? Well, around yeah. here, the geese are flying over spreads of twenty-five to fifty. Maybe one other crew would have maybe a hundred. Yeah. Well, you throw three hundred or more. Yeah. Well, that's changing it up around here, big time. Like they don't. I'm do not that. gonna lie. I had pretty good luck this year with like five, six, seven dozen decoys. Yeah. Half of my like. Wait, that's not, what we've done. Went, we went back. I used to run 24 dozen full bodies in my trailer, and and we pretty much used them all the time because they would only fit in there. Phil put them in there a certain way. He had a certain way to stack them, and nobody else could do it. You know, and if they, if you only took out five dozen, well, then they all crashed down, and then you had to rip them all out anyway, so we put 24 dozen out. But now, I mean, I may hunt over 18 full bodies to, you know, five, six dozen, mm. something like that. Especially for honkers, man. Give them a, give them a, you know, leave them plenty of parking spaces, and it just seems to work out better. Yeah, if you got a good, if your blinds hid well, it's a lot easier to run small spreads. We killed geese over just seven stuffers. Yeah, did well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, you know, if you get into the habit of doing things the same way every time. When we when we hunt geese, this is the way we do it, and this is the way we always set the decoys, and you don't ever learn anything or or take anything into account like the weather or how it's going to change throughout the morning or you know how things what's that yeah how they've been reacting the day before and the day before to what you've been doing yeah i mean i mean you can go out two or three times a year half a dozen times a year and do the same thing and and be successful but if you're trying to do it like 60 days in a row or 40 days in a row like Man, especially if we had well, yeah. you got to a lot of those geese are you're you're hunting, you're seeing every day. Yeah, and you yeah. can't show and show every day. This year, especially. Yeah, yeah. One group, one group we had, we hunted the same field <laughs> three days in a row, yeah. and got into them every day, and got into them every day. Three different spots, like they were just piled in there. there a lot of wasn't... late shoots too. Like yeah, hunting right till friggin' noon. Ev- almost. Almost every day we yeah. hunted till that was unusual. Yeah, we never do that, but this year we certainly did. You know, I had I had two days that I can think of to mind that I was done by nine o'clock. Yeah, and the rest were all eleven, twelve o'clock. Yeah, 
and you know, Sean, one of the things that we ran into this year is uh, it was almost like you weren't even there. The birds would be in your field. So remember the day that we hunted, Steve, we hunted uh, that second silage cornfield that was kind of hidden. Remember the the field we hunted three days in a row? Yeah. This yeah, one was yeah. two fields over. Yeah. So all the birds came out. They were stacked in there the night before, and all of them came out. We might have shot maybe half a dozen, and all of them come out, and it was like they'd never been there. They flew yeah. right over us, kept right on going. It wasn't till 10.30. From 10.30 till 11.30, we hammered them. And they all came back and all had muddy feet. Like yeah. They went and, and sat in a dirt field. That happened a lot, too. I, I pushed them out of that potato field for you. <laughs> when, you, when you scouted that field, were they in there first thing in the morning every day before you hunted there? Uh, they had they had switched into this field. They were in there morning and night for two days before we hunted it thick. Yeah. I saw that more than anything this last year. Wherever you found them at night, that might not be where they're going to go in the morning. Yep. Well, even the year you were up here, Sean. Um, especially, especially when the weather's warm. Yep. And so warm this year. Different, or, if, or if it's frosty, you know, in the mornings. And, as, you know, if you if you got something green you're hunting and it's frosty, they may skip it first thing in the morning and go somewhere and sit. Just get off the water and kind of loaf in the field and then go feed later on in the morning. Yeah. I noticed that last year more than anything. They were odd like that. I wonder why that is. Like, I would love, I would love to talk to somebody that's just like a Canada goose scientist. You know what I mean? Like, here's the reason why they go to dirt fields and sit there half the morning, and what they, why they choose them, and what when they're actually feeding out of them, what they're getting, and why they're getting it, and you know. I don't know. You know, some of it. I think Canada geese have evolved in the last forty years. Definitely. Because, like I said, they used to, you know, only stop, you know, make one or two stops and be at the wintering ground. Now they're kind of coming all the way down, and there's different food sources all the way down. Uh, you know, there's times in the winter time when they don't leave the river, and they, they just sit there and eat shad. You know, they're eating fish. Now, you wouldn't think a Canada goose would eat fish, but they do. Wow. You know, they've adapted through the years. Same with Bean fields, 20, 30 years ago, you would never shoot one in a bean field. Now you can shoot them in bean fields, especially on wet days, rainy days. You know, uh, you'd always think they go to corn, and you're just seeing a lot more and more of these birds once they get into a, a local area. They don't utilize the same food source every day. You know, it's kind of weather-dependent on some instances, it seems like. Yeah, yeah, and and how that makes sense like when it's a rainy day why are you shooting them in the beans like what is it about the rain that that they know oh we'll go eat beans because it's eat they're it's they're not going to be as dry or it's going to be easier for us to it's like that with potatoes well that's what i've noticed that's what i've noticed this year like um so when i scouted i always went with my morning scout yeah i never went with the evening because just you just i had a bad feeling about it and that was the other thing, like potatoes, like even right from the first first group I had in October, 
I was into the potatoes hunting. Yeah. And it sucks. But, you know, you just... <laughs> Early, for I, sure. I like hunting potatoes because it's it's different, but you're like, you get kind of that cringe feeling because, you know, they're not soft. They're all hard as a yeah, rock. Yeah, you can't yeah. eat them. What the hell are they Yeah, they're in there. they got to be in there picking rocks or something off yeah. the vines or something. But Grist birds. Hey, man, they could be after some kind of a bug or some kind of yep. a weed shoot that's coming up or worms or whatever. I mean... I, they're pretty opportunistic in what they'll eat, that's for sure. They choose those places though. Like the, to them, when they fly out, like if we're if we're putting more into this and trying to figure this out to pattern them better, like nothing. They're always every time they wake up, they're just trying to survive. Like nothing's done by chance. You wouldn't assume that they would burn calories for no reason. Like they, I, I don't think that they just fly around and go, oh, there's a field. Let's sit down in that. Like if it's a potato field in October. Unless it's a, What's that? Used to do that? Yeah. Oh, Unless yeah. it's a that they don't know what they're doing from every day, one day to the next. Right. When they're sitting down in those potato fields early in the year, like we know, unless it's something that a, that a tractor or a truck has run over, we know they can't get into them, but they're in there and stay in there for some reason, you know, but they, uh, they, one they, thing I did find, is that there is a, a particular farming group that does um, in their potato fields, once they're harvested, there's almost like a winter wheat put right on the rows. I was going to say that, yeah. And it comes yeah. up like green. Well, so. well, uh, what they're, yeah. I mean, when they do that fumigation process that they do here now, they're fumigating the ground and they row it up so that next year all they got to do is come and put the spade in the ground and it's good to go. So, so as soon as they do that and they spray that stuff in the ground, it kills everything. But the first thing to come up in those particular fields is that nice green grass. And they're in it. And yeah. they like that. Yep. So, it, it, you know, it could be it could be anything after the, after they harvest, but there was a lot of that this year. We had that field. They'd fly over the corn every day and land in the winter wheat, the yeah. fresh grass, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they like that yeah. grass. Fresh right? cut corn, lots of waste. Yeah. You know, like they would fly over it continuously. Well, the field that we hunted so much there, that corn field, mm -hmm. like it, honest to God, Sean, it was like somebody had, it was like a two-lane or four-lane highway, clear down one side of it, was just completely mauled from bears. They're, they couldn't harvest a damn thing. And the geese, when they would get in there, were all sitting in that spot most of the time. And they there was so much feed there. But, yeah, there was a lot of things they did yep. this year that were different. Different, eh? yeah. Just didn't really compute. There's no rhyme or reason to them. No. This year. It was weird. Didn't seem to be. You know what's when the, when the migration stalls out like that, they do have different nutritional requirements. You know, if they're if they're if they're pushing through, they need high calorie stuff to replenish their reserve. But if they're just going to hang out there for a month, their food requirements change a lot. Mm. Yeah, well, when it's not when it's not cold and they don't have to like in this specific yeah. area, they didn't have to fly no far. Track. Yeah, geez, it'd be a mile. Yeah close you know like it was right there there was lots of water around you know they didn't have to go far they pretty much had to get in the air and there was two three four silage fields right around there so yeah. it was ideal for them but um yeah it's interesting that they do that because when they came back i remember the sun hitting their feet and every bird we shot that day out of that corn dirty feet i had dirty yeah. dirty muddy feet yeah that when you 
when you clean them, cut open, cut them open, and see what they got in them for better uh, gizzards opening a crop. Should be doing more of that. Yeah, I mean we do yeah. it with every other like upland. Yeah. I check every friggin' bird I've ever shot. Turkey, same thing. You check the crop always just to see what they're into. And yeah, well we don't. With the we, goose too. We're just yeah, we're just not in the habit of getting into their guts, right? Because we mm. cut the meat. Well, off, we've never we really should, had to. Cause we they, should be. They're always pretty consistent. Yeah, patternable. Like, yeah, we should be during those times. We mm. should be right there, you know, before the guys yeah. leave with them. We should be checking them checking yeah. them and seeing seeing what's in them because i mean it's obvious that they've spent the morning they're yeah. clear up past their ankles in mud you know they've yeah. been messing mucking around somewheres you know and then they decide yeah. mid-morning like you said okay let's let's go back and we're gonna have a snack yeah we're gonna have a snack and when at a time when probably a lot of people would leave like you know they gotta eat you know they have to feed and maybe if they fed late the evening before they don't need the calories, right? I mean, if they're if they're putting corn in, jeepers, and it's warm out. Yeah, you know they're not their body isn't using it, so maybe that's all they need is a little bit of grass if they can go to a mud field. I don't know. But I le- I legit this year had some birds not come off the roost till eleven eleven thirty. Yeah, like uh, like didn't fly out by me and land in the field. Like they just didn't fly. Like they came right off the roost, right to me. Like I told the boys, I was like. Fuck boys, I feel like she's gonna be a bust this morning. And this was like eleven forty five. Yeah, we And then a pair rolls in and then, you know, a four pack and then a dozen. It's like, oh, we're starting to pick up now and we we wrecked them, but I was like, shit, because normally by twelve o'clock we're packed up and on the road. And it make yeah, it makes it tough because if you're normally ready to go, you know, if you get done early, you're done by nine, nine thirty, somebody can bail out and go Mm -hmm. check your other spots. Did that happen to be on a full moon or a high pressure? No. No wind? No, it was No cons- wind. Consist- that was all season. No consistent. Consistent. Yeah, no wind all Jeez. season. Yeah, it was consistent all, all season. We had south winds all season, warm and south winds. I think we might have had two or three mornings where we actually had a regular northwest North, yeah. wind here. Like, it was crazy. Never, never have weather like that, you know. So it was different for us. I mean, you're going to, okay, you're stacked up. You got five weeks of guys coming here. Yeah. Not like you can just say, oh, it's warm. We'll just spend two, three days and see if we can get them patterned real good. And then we'll go in and hit a spot like we're hunting every day, you know. Mm. So adapt and adjust. That's what we do as humans. Yeah. And just hang on. You know, it was every day till noon. And a lot of days it was, you know. And that sucks. It makes for such a long day. It does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, that really changed things. Yeah, till one in the afternoon. Yeah. We get there early. Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, I, we had a good, we had a good s- routine system. Yeah, yeah, we had a good routine set up there. With that, I know one thing. Like I've never seen anyone spread cheese like Steve. <laughs> 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 nice even coat. He's the salt by a cheese spreading. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, that was lots of time to perfect my breakfast sandwich. You were jacked on friggin'. Two Monster, energy drinks Monster and a coffee. I drinks. miss I miss that man. They were yeah. they were good. They were good. We'd have yeah. two great big breakfast wraps every morning. Mm. You guys start doing that, you're gonna have to mix in lunch too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. Well, it was it was you know by that time. Th- there's the thing. Need a like, Krager in the trailer. When you have when you have a good hearty breakfast in the morning, and we would, and it would always be right around five thirty that we would eat. We'd be pretty good till. You know, by the time yeah. you got home, 
You were hungry. Shorter, shortly after lunch, you you were hungry. If you had to stay any longer, you'd you'd have been starved. But so you have uh, your. I bread. relied on mom's sandwiches. Yeah, they came with the hunters. <laughs> so that's a pre- that'd be a pretty good deal. They'll have your nice breakfast in the morning, and then maybe Brad can slip out and throw a brisket in the trailer, yeah. in the trailer <laughs> <laughs> sit and then climb back in the blind. And Is watch. your trailer on fire? No. <laughs> no, that's just a brisket smoking or ribs or whatever, your yeah. steaks. And We're trying to smoke our decoys, hey? Yeah. Take the scent off them. Yeah. Then the like time you finish up. That's for sure. Just get them daily snaps from you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. But my crew, the only thing with my crew doing that is that that mean they'd have to leave a half hour earlier in the morning to get there to set up and they're not about that. (laughs) But I am, I mean, I'd, I'd rather be set up an hour before shooting time than scrambling a half hour into shooting time. Oh, me too. Well, how about being set up about three hours before shooting time? I'm big about getting everything set up and then sit back and look at it. Yeah. And I like to like visualize, okay, this is where they're coming from. This is what they and I walk around the spread and I'll try to get, you know, the angles that they're gonna be approaching it. And I'll monkey around with that thing till darn near shooting time, just getting it right. Yeah. And I just I'd rather do that than just get there and be late and just throw everything down and it's just a giant cluster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we would always we would always get there and, and get right out and get it done. Yeah. We we weren't about getting there and sleeping and dicking around we'd get out and get it done and then once it was done we'd have lots of time to cook and eat and clean things up and look it over a bit um Uh, one of the things i that's one of the big things is brushing blinds we took yeah you know we used to have uh just a couple guys on the blind crew setting up the blind and then a whole bunch of people on decoy duty well now that we cut down on the number of decoys we're using started putting more people on the blind and spending more time focusing, you know, because that panel blind's awesome, but you can't just fold it up and put it in your blind or your trailer mm-hmm. and get it out six in a row. You've got to every day. It just, that just gets you kind of in the ballpark, but you've got to go cut brush and set stuff up and make it as 3d looking as you possibly can. Because you, I mean, you guys know as well as I do, you're not, if you're not hiding from them, you're not killing them. I don't care where you're at. No, that's right. And uh, that's something that I struggle with. Like, when we're out brushing the blinds, usually late September before the season, um, i got to make it a habit this year to cut a pile of grass and get it dried out and keep a rotation of grass going because, man, them blinds get beat down something oh, awful. Yeah. They get flattened They get flattened out. Now, that was a good segue into what I wanted to talk about or ask you about. Um, w- the biggest thing for me with the blinds is the lids and possibly even the side doors on the ends. And I wondered what you thought of using that blind grass for those you know that we do that th- uh, that thick we, stuff we do i've monkeyed with that stuff you're talking about the stuff from blindgrass.com yeah, yeah the actual blindgrass yeah I, i've got that on my boat that's what my whole entire boat's made out of and it's it's awesome i mean and i put that boat's probably got twelve thousand road miles on it highway mm. and the stuff doesn't move it doesn't deteriorate and i actually had some you know grass mats the palm mats underneath it that have disintegrated from all the road miles and the rain and just drying and all that. It's awesome. Uh, On a panel blind, I've got one 
that I've been kind of playing with, I haven't perfected how to how to actually grasp it the way I want in my head. But what we have done on all of our panels, so I've got six panels in my trailer, Phil's got six panels in his trailer. What we did do is go all along the top of the blind with that grass and made it come up about eight, 10 inches. And then do the same thing on the flip top where it comes, you, you put, peel all the grass off the flip top and grass it up so it comes out eight to 10 inches over the top. And if I think about it, I'll text you a picture of what it looks like. Yeah. Because, it, what it does is oh. it, 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 it like real, like regular grass, like reed canary, whatever you put on there, after a while it just falls down, right? Yeah, then it's in your, it's in your face. face. It's in your friggin' face. Yeah. Well, this stuff, main, yeah, this blind grass maintains its shape, and whatever grass you put on top of it kind of holds it there. And the other thing is you notice that guys, when they, when there's nothing going on, they're standing up, and they put their elbows on the front of the blind. Right. And yep. when they do that, it knocks down the grass. And uh, by putting that blind grass on there, that's the number one thing we've done. You know, the benefit of that is it's, it's maintained that. It's just – it's. There's no gap there at all. Yeah, there's it makes no it a black little more difficult hole. to see out. But, but let me tell you, if, if you can't see them, they can't see you. And all you have to do is just get your face a little closer to the grass, and you can see everything you need to see. But that's the biggest thing that the birds pick up on is the motion in the blind. And I've always been a big advocate of not wearing camo hat and a camo top, wearing black, you know, fitting in the film and, you know, fitting in the shadow kind of thing because when you fly a drone around that's what you see is guys moving their heads yeah. rocking their heads moving that's the motion you see and that's when people they blame the blind and it's not the blind they're seeing the people you know um so the more camera we can get that the better off we are but i'm gonna i'll look for that picture and i'll send that yeah that'd be good like the big thing with me is is you get in the pouring rain with that grass even if you you freshly stubble them lids uh, the rain hits oh, yeah. them, and the, it's right on top of you, and the, the water's just running in on you, right? Oh, yeah. So if there was a solution that, you know, both for longevity and for uh, concealment uh, that was better than real grass, that would definitely be uh, advantageous for us. Well, that's what I was thinking. Like, on the end, there's always the chance from the left, if you're on the left side, the top of the door, the top of the door, that's on your left, and the left side of your lid. There's always a hole there, and if you could, like you said, stand that grass up on the front of the blind, and then have it coming from the top of the blind straight out eight to ten inches. Like, just take just taking out that fact that the grass is down in your face. And in your way, that takes that right out of the way for guys coming up out of the blind, right? They're not getting their gun caught up in it. It's it's not down in your face, and it's covering that whole rectangular black hole that's down across there. I've been looking at his stuff on there a lot. He's been posting quite a bit of stuff, and it, and it looks good. And uh, I think that's what I'm going to do. wonder yeah. if you could run some stiff wire up that. And then zip tie your grass to it. To well, well, Sean, when he was up, up here, he had something. What'd you call him, Sean? A lollipop, where you took a like a dowel pin and then uh, bunched a bunch of grain and zip tied to mm. it and filled it in like between the lids, mm. which 
made a difference. See, it's it's nothing to do that, just making it last. Like, yeah. Right. You yeah, can make it look really good, but the by real, the end of the week, it's rough. The real stuff, yeah. So that's what I was thinking about, because he's got, you know, before it was always just mats, right? But he's got, like, individual, like, Grass, like grass, yeah. you know, like and it's handfuls. not, yeah, yeah, and it's, it's so like, it's actually plastic, it's or like, is it? it's like, it looks like reeds, it's yeah. not just like stringy grass, like reed canary grass, it yeah. looks like, so it's like, a real grass he sells, or is not, it like a, it's not, not synthetic? It's cat, go ahead, Sean, yeah. you know what it is, it looks like a cattail. I, um, my, if you can open up your, I just texted you some pictures. Right here. It's funny you say cattails because Ryan is always giving me hell for using cattails in my blind. Fuck, stubble a blind, it's all cattails. <laughs> Lots of it around. <laughs> Just a big wet spot out here in the middle of this field. I probably stub 100 feet of blind every year. Trust me, I look for any shortcuts I can get. Yeah, that's a lot of freaking Between I'll your guys' you two thing, and then that's mine. That's one thing about those panels. They take a lot of yeah. grass. I don't see it yet, Sean. Uh, I texted it to you. It might be taking. It's probably at customs right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's being approved. How many stamps did you put on it? Didn't you just? Uh, didn't you just, Matt? Didn't you just wave to me? I yep. did. Yeah. I don't see your picture you yet, know, though. There's no picture in between the wave and the nude you sent. <laughs> uh, uh, so this and, under, got, and underneath of that nude, he didn't even say sorry, wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> Strange, eh? Weird. <laughs> but you did send me a thumbs up. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just guys doing stuff. That's right. I figured that's what you were looking for. Approval. Isn't that what everybody's looking for now? Absolutely. <laughs> huh? Looking for likes and love. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but th- I think that I think that blind grass is. I think he's on to something there. Yeah, it's I mean, a little it, stiffer. Take a bunch of it, either. Um, it doesn't take a bunch of it. You know, you could get by with buying twenty pounds, and it'll be more than you probably need. <clears throat> That's the other thing I was going to ask you. How? Yeah, how much do we need? How much do we need of it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I if you buy twenty pounds of it and get the. Uh, Rice, corn, Johnson grass. Okay. That was the other thing, because there's two or three different kinds. Yeah, I'm still looking for other pictures, but those ones kind of... The ones I sent you, I'll show you what I was talking about. Yeah. Send them to me through Snap, Sean. Well... But definitely, definitely... Concealment. I don't know why it's not coming to the phone. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen it. Well, like I said, Customs probably has it. Trudeau's probably like, oh, yeah. that's not something we want yeah, here I'm in pretty this country. sure you could conceal a gun probably in there. Probably. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to. That's something that's probably got an AK-47 in it. Yeah. Censorship. Yeah. yeah. Sending pictures of moist grass. That's a word he likes <laughs> to use. Yeah. Yeah. It was too moist. I wouldn't allow it. Uh, do you guys ever run uh, front hoods on your panels? Like, we've no. never done it. Always just the back. I was wondering if anybody ever no. does that. 
or once you get the the grass on it like i'm trying to explain you don't need to put it on yeah. the front yeah there's quite a could. Few, there's quite a few yeah. people do that yeah like run flip lids on the like, front like which a clamshell yeah like yeah. i find it almost like a trap door sort yeah. of thing when Different. i worked when i worked for that outfitter in in uh Alberta, we had a big blind that was like <laughs> big that. flip lid. <laughs> yeah, both. It was like a huge clamshell. Like it looked just like, you know, Dad's ten, got an old one. Like they pull a string, the top falls out of it. Ten hay bales all hooked yeah. together is what it looked like. You're sitting inside this great big thing, and Shit. and that's what you had to do was flip the flip the door down, and you know, yeah, I was like, yeah, I just it, don't think flip. I yeah, like that's the deal with 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 the panel barn ones. You just stand up and shoot. Right. You don't have to flip it. Well, you get in the act of flipping stuff, then the second you flip it open, you give yourself away, and then yeah. you're shooting flaring birds instead of decoying birds, because sometimes they don't even see you, right, if you're yeah. doing the right thing. So. Right. My fat thumb just screwed up trying to send it to your end. Yeah, it's funny. Sometimes you see him react to the scream, like the shot call. I like that when you see him coming in and you hear somebody, you know, call the shot. You see all the birds flare immediately. They, yeah. Oh God! <laughs> yeah. Even before anybody's mm-hmm. up to the top of the blind. Is that <laughs> not the same guy we heard yeah. yesterday? We done screwed <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like the same guy. Why didn't any of my friends fall? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all I had here, boys. Yeah. No, that was a good one. Good to catch up with you again, Sean. We've been following along with you, but it's been a while since we've talked. Yeah. Well, lucky yeah. bastard's been busy hunting right up until damn near now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Rig. Definitely jealous. Yeah, well, we had a good hunting trip there in February. Get into the old squaw. Yeah, we had a good good sea duck season there. Mm. Yeah. Lots of squaws, some scoters. They just got done. I don't know. I say they just got done. I see Scott Rumble, and I see some of the people from uh, yeah, the cash yeah. maybe doing the March season. And oh, yeah. It must have been must must have happened in late February. Must be the last week of February, first week of March, or something up there in Toronto. That's their catch up days. Like for not yeah. being able to yeah. hunt Sunday, they hunt two weeks or yeah. whatever. Yeah. 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 And it looks good too. There's friggin' oh, fuck you'd crush them. They're Holy, sli- they're fucking <laughs> slaying them. Because some years they don't do that great, but this year it's warm. So I'm wondering what their spring season's gonna be like for snows. I would, I would assume that it'd be pretty good because I yeah. know St. Lawrence is doing it, and I know that uh, I don't know Lacache does, but they don't do it as early as uh, Goose Shack there. But they're all doing it right on the. I'd love to go do that. That would be fun. Fall is just too busy yeah, unless we're... got my stuff in quarantine or something because I'm trying to send you a snap. Oh, there, it just went. All right. Yeah, right up this this side of Montreal. They, yeah, they said somewhere. where they're... Man, they'll be heading back north, all of them here soon. Oh, frig, oh I would shit. Ass- yeah, I would assume. I've been, tr- been kind of watching some people there posting videos of them moving back up so yeah. i'm wondering what the season well i i already heard woodcock are moving back north in tennessee so i mean they'll all be starting to cruise back up yeah i'd love to, I'd love to go. it's only it's only well march 1st tomorrow right yeah uh, march 1st march today, 1st today. Uh, hey my bad yeah so i mean it's still 
it's still winter. We're still going to get some winter here. Oh, yeah. We'll probably get four feet of snow in March. Yeah, know. March, March. I imagine we'll get a good storm yeah. or two. Every day up until the 14th, when I look today, is above zero. Yeah. Yeah. You need to buy a plow truck every year. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Steve, that was a good Steve goes and buys a big ass plow truck and it doesn't snow. Used it once. <laughs> yeah. So he rolled up his sod instead with yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> plow truck around. There. Oh, that must have there we go. Right there, there comes the picture. Oh, yeah. Jeez, I like that blind yeah. grass. That looks good on the lids, eh? Yeah. See the see the top one with the snow goose decoys in the background? Yep. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that looks it's really good. Grass on top of it, and I mean, you just can't see through it. That's uh, that, that same nude you sent me there. <laughs> you actually sent it three times now. <laughs> you guys share and. Me. And I already comment. I already commented back, so I think that it's just it's just getting, it's just getting a little awkward. You guys sharing dick pics, are you? <laughs> yes, yeah, sir. Nice. Yeah, some of that stuff is really thick, eh? Yeah, that's impressive. It's real thick. Yeah. <laughs> and like that was our first shot at it too. So, um, you, you just got if you make it too long, it'll fall down you know a little bit but if you there's just a, a sweet spot with it you'll you'll be able to tell when that's you start the, using it. that's the cats right there i like that yeah look yeah. at that that picture right there man that's yeah. awesome yeah, well, yeah yeah for sure it's hard to store them as well to keep the lids separate the somewhere lids are, the lids are a pain in yeah. the ass i they're hard to store in the trailer um they always end up just in some awkward position yeah. kind of well, piled together well, and... we, we were the way that we had right. our blinds actually put in there this year. We were putting them on on top of those blinds, but every time we'd open the trailer, they'd be on the floor, yeah. right? And uh, yeah, we've got spots that them uh, in the blind stools, but and it, and it seems we stack them up upside down, and they seem to go pretty good. But yeah. Kind of like, kind of like Ryan always ends up in an awkward spot. <laughs> yeah, you know, happens. <laughs> yeah, that's but, definitely uh, the way to do it, though, because you want them to. Ideally, you want that grass to come off of them and stay out straight. Yeah, which it does there. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's the way you want it right there. Yeah. So you th you think twenty pounds, Sean, would do three panels front and back, like the lids and the fronts? Well, you know, you're doing the lids. Yeah, I would say twenty pounds would be more than enough. Do you know that? Do you yeah. know that fellow, Sean? Who? Do you know that guy? Do you work with him at all? That blindgrass.com. I mean, I just I know him from from hunting and buying the stuff. Where's he from? Where's his business? Louisiana. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. Well, I'll look forward to talking to him because, uh, or I'm. What? Well, Your part smells bad. <laughs> wow, that's Good. they're supposed to stink, aren't Have they? Have you not followed him for the last month and a half? It's uh, all protein. <laughs> All protein powders. So you know what it's going to be, Wesley. Well, it's, I mean, well, he's. I still don't like it. He's <laughs> been, around, been, around, been around for 16 years. Have I had a fart that didn't stink? No, you don't. All right. Man, that's, oh, that's awful. what it's supposed to be. 20 pounds, rice, corn. Good. Was it rice, corn? Is that what he said to get? That's what you said, right? Rice, corn? Sean? Yes, yeah. The rice, corn there. Okay. Yep. 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 Beautiful. Good deal. Cool. Anything else, boys? No. No, I'm good. Good to catch up with you, Sean, man. Yeah, really, Great. really appreciate yeah. your time. Yeah, what yeah. do we owe you? 
hunt this fall. Yeah, we'll take you hunting <laughs> this fall. We'll send we'll send we'll uh we'll send the jack, it'll probably get stuck at the border though. Sweet. Trudeau will take By the it. time the government takes their share, it won't be much left. Yeah, we should uh in all seriousness though, we should line up some dates there. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. Get back up here and get on these mountain geese. Get on these mountain geese. Mm. Any mountain. any any place you want want us to send people, Sean, to get your calls or anything? Anything you're looking to put uh, a plug in for? Arnky website's probably the easiest one to get to. Stalls calls. Arntycalls.com. Yep. And you got you got apparel on there too. I was looking at the other day. I saw you had one sweater on there. It's a sweater and for those of us south of the border, that is a sweatshirt. <laughs> a sweatshirt. Do you sell toques or beanies? <laughs> Do not have toques or beanies, but we have waxed cotton hats. There you go. Beautiful. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to Google that. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I I honestly haven't been down there since uh, the last time I was down would have been 2016. Mm. 2016, I was down there, and I think that was uh, just after the shop burnt. It wasn't rebuilt when I was down last. Yeah, oh, man, it's it's really cool place uh, to hang out during duck season. You know, if you're down in the in the Grand Prairie areas, mm. Arkansas. You got the tap room in there. Got TVs. You can watch sporting events. You can sit outside, inside. Uh, we've got a food truck there. Got all the calls you can test run. It's a pretty cool place. Really cool. It's pretty much a showpiece nowadays. Hmm. Mm. Have to check her out someday, boys. Be nice. Would be Come fun. On. Yeah. We should just randomly go sometime. Yeah. It's. I mean, Max Prairie Wings is right beside it. Literally, basically, Plan a hunt. in the same yard. Nice trip. Yeah. Hmm. Well, okay. Cool, guys. Appreciate right. appreciate you, Sean. All right, sounds good, boys. Be talking to you. Bye. Later. This episode of the ECWM podcast has been brought to you by Benelli. Dominate the skies. Kent Cartridge Canada. High quality, high performance shotgun shells for waterfowl, turkey, upland, sporting clays, and more. Sitka. Turning clothing into gear. Maritime dog training. Because I'm the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. <laughs> <laughs> Offering obedience training of all levels, service dog and retriever training in person or online. Big Al decoys. High quality silhouettes and accessories for waterfowl, turkey, and sandhill cranes. East Coast Calls. Offering high quality duck goose and turkey calls built right here in the Maritimes. Come on,